Welcome to r slash Petty Revenge, where OP costs a scummy landlord $6,000 a month. Our next Reddit post is from Tuna Salad Boat Captain. We live in a new and small apartment complex, only 40 units within two buildings. It's very low-key and within walking distance to our downtown. It's very affordable for how convenient the location is. Back in September, we noticed the vacant unit beside us was getting moved into by a new tenant with furniture, decor, etc. One weekend not long after they moved in, we heard what sounded like a little party with music and loud voices well past midnight. We heard a lot of people coming in and out of the front door, slamming the door each time to the point that it shook the walls. Maybe they were having a housewarming party or a friend's get-together at the new place. So we brushed it under the rug as a one-off incident. For the next few weeks, we noticed a variety of people coming in and out of this apartment, and none of them seemed to be the same individuals. Parking also started to become much busier than usual, and the cars kept changing, so something seemed off. My girlfriend started working night shift for her job not long after the neighboring apartment became occupied. She's a light sleeper, and she noticed that all throughout the morning and before going to work, the neighbor's door was always slamming and shaking the walls. She understands that people are active during the day, and she can't ask people to cater to her night shift needs, but she felt the constant slamming of doors wasn't only disruptive, but also unusual. One particular morning was the straw that broke the camel's back. She had finally had enough because of the effect it was having on her sleep. She wanted to see who was slamming the door all the time. She heard the door slamming around 10.30am, got up, and witnessed people walking to their car with suitcases and leaving. Soon after, a man arrived, pulled up to the front doormat, and retrieved a key to let two women with cleaning supplies into the apartment. Every time they entered or left, a slam would shake the wall. Seeing this, she searched Airbnb and almost immediately found the rental unit next door. Same floor plans, wall paint, flooring, etc. To our surprise and anger, we found a total of four listings in our apartment complex alone on this host's profile. That's 10% of the apartments in our buildings. Through the listings, we found the individual's LinkedIn and business websites. On his website, he claims that he does something called rental arbitrage. Essentially, he rents out long-term rentals on a short-term basis. This can be done legally with the landlord's permission. However, our apartment lease doesn't allow for subletting or short-term rentals. They were renting out three of the four ground-in units offered. The fourth unit was a handicap-accessible unit. That's right. This man and his business partner leased an apartment meant for accommodating people with disabilities with the intention of using it for his little short-term business empire that he was trying to build. Our city had been feeling the squeeze on apartment availability, and these dickheads were contributing to the problem. It was at this point that we took this personally, because we had our own problems dealing with apartment availability, waitlist, disappointments, and frustration. My girlfriend called the leasing office and told them the neighboring unit was being rented out on Airbnb and asked if this was allowed. The office gave an emphatic, absolutely not, and asked for the listing to be sent to them in email. Later that day, the office called her back and said they notified the tenant that they'd be inspecting the apartments the following afternoon. After the inspection, the apartment owner sent the tenant a cease and desist letter. They also told us, you shouldn't have any problems anymore concerning the matter, and if you do, don't hesitate to give us a call. Now, this butthole has four leases that he's stuck paying 1500 bucks a month for, and he can't make any more money through Airbnb. This guy is bleeding money to the tune of about $6,000 a month. 
His only legal options are to continue paying for them or to break the leases and vacate. Last week, we watched as movers emptied out the apartments. I'm sure they lost deposits or were penalized for breaking the leases. That's a very expensive lesson for being a greedy entrepreneur. Don't be dickheads, folks, and don't piss off a night shifter trying to sleep. Mmm, I don't know, OP. Costing them $6,000 a month, plus penalties, doesn't seem like petty revenge to me. Sounds like pro-revenge. Our next Reddit post is from Big Hair Don't Care. Many years ago, I worked for an organization providing frontline customer service. It was a decent place to work, but our manager had lots of rules. One of the rules was that we couldn't do any personal printing with the printers at work. If we did, we were expected to pay 50 cent per page for black and white printing, or $1 per page for color. I'm not sure who made this rule, but the manager was constantly reminding us. Our desks weren't assigned, meaning any day you could be sitting at any desk, depending on your assigned task for the day. One day, I was interviewing for another job within the organization, but at another location. Prior to the interview, the manager of the other location asked me if I would mind printing a copy of my resume and bringing it with me because their partners were down for the day. I said no problem and figured I'd print it at work since it was work-related. I was sitting at a desk that didn't have a printer at it. The closest printer was located between my manager's desk and an employee desk, so I printed out my resume and stood up to go get it. Before I got to the printer, my manager got there first. She was also trying to print something out. When she saw what I'd printed, she said, OP, this looks like a personal print job. I explained that it wasn't, but she disagreed and said that since it had nothing to do with our day-to-day work, I had to pay. $2 for four black and white pages. I begrudgingly paid up. I asked her what happened to the money, and she said that she always put it in the Christmas party fund. Okay. A few weeks later, I was sitting at a desk that had a printer. It was lunchtime, and everyone except my manager agreed to go to a nearby restaurant for lunch. I'd walked out of our building and realized I forgot my wallet, so I quickly ran back in to get it. When I got back in, I could hear the printer going. I was curious what was being printed because it was spitting out page after page. I quickly glanced at the pile and saw at least 100 pages printed in color announcing the Sweet 16 for Trista, our manager's daughter. It very obviously belonged to my manager. My manager came out of the bathroom a moment later and seemed shocked to see me standing there. I picked up the pile and passed it to her and told her that our Christmas party fund was going to be getting a big boost. She said nothing but looked really uncomfortable. A few weeks later, our district manager made his quarterly visit. He talked about the upcoming Christmas party and how excited he was for it. I decided that it was time for some petty revenge. I raised my hand and said, Just wondering, how much have we accumulated this year for the Christmas party from print jobs? He looked confused and asked me to explain what I meant. So I told him about our manager's rule. He got really quiet and said that he'd have to review this. The next day, my manager sent an email saying the printing rule was something that she was misinformed on and it would be abolished immediately. Me, being the little rebel that I am, hit reply all and asked what was going to happen to the already accumulated funds. Someone else said that we should have a nice healthy fund for a pizza lunch and everyone agreed. The next day, I heard my manager ordering 10 pizzas for lunch. Also, she used her own personal credit card to pay for it all. Do I think that she was pocketing the printing money all along? Absolutely. 
but it was fun making her sweat and then having to spend nearly $300 the next day to make up for it. You know, there's that meme going around about how pizza parties are the worst thing that your job can do for you because we don't want pizza, we want a raise. But this pizza party feels a bit different, doesn't it? Our next Reddit post is from Creating a Storm. I am in a very beautiful and historic country, and my new limit is two pictures before I'll walk into the shot. Just yesterday, a couple set a camera in a tripod with a timer going for five minutes, while people around them tried to avoid their twirl shots. Not me. I just walked in front of the camera and read the materials about this beautiful palace garden. The lady asked me if I would move out of her shot. I said, nope. I've been doing this for a few days now, and it feels effing great, to be honest. Yeah, you get to take a picture, but you don't get to ruin everyone else's visit. Okay, so typically, whenever I read a story on a subreddit, the reason why I'm reading it is because it has thousands and thousands of upvotes. And that's usually an indicator to me that the story is going to be really good and juicy. And this story is really tame, but it's got 22,000 upvotes, which is a ton on Reddit. So that tells me that people aren't really upvoting the story. They're upvoting that they hate it when people do this. Personally, I despise taking photos at events and vacation places. It's kind of weird coming from a person like me because literally my profession is social media. So you'd think I'd be even more into social media, but I literally don't even have an Instagram account. I have never posted a picture on Instagram and I have no intention of either, which kind of makes me feel lucky because every single time I hear someone talking about Instagram, all I ever hear is how awful it's become. How Instagram and Facebook have become super toxic and like full of ads and just everyone hates being on there. Then leave! Why are you people even on it in the first place? It sounds awful. I realize, of course, that I sound like a boomer. Why do kids these days have to be on their phones all the time? Why do they have to take pictures of their coffee? Don't get me wrong. I love content. I love social media. It's just sharing pictures? Who cares? I don't get it, man. I don't know. I don't know if this is like accurate because I literally never go on Instagram, but I kind of get the vibe over on Instagram that the whole climate is just comparing. It's like flexing your wealth. It's flexing your beauty. It's look at this amazing place that I am. Look at my perfect, beautiful, picturesque life. And then that just makes you feel bad because you're just sitting there in your pajamas on your sofa scrolling. And you're like, well, why don't I have a perfect life? Also, down in the comments, we have this story from FWS. I had this happen at a packed resort that I was staying at over Thanksgiving. My daughter was playing in the waterfall in the pool. She's 10. Some lady walks up to her and tells her that she needs to leave because she's going to do a TikTok video. I was on a lounge chair about 15 feet away. My daughter comes over and said the lady made her leave to shoot a video. I grabbed my daughter and went back to the waterfall and sat with her. The lady told me, not asked me, to leave. And I said, nope, it's the middle of the day. It's packed. If you want to get a video by yourself, do it in the morning when the pool is empty. She kept complaining, but I just turned away and started asking my daughter questions. She gave up after that. And then, beneath that, another story from you and Hazumi. I work on a very pretty yacht, which spends most of its time in one of the most expensive marinas in the Mediterranean. Ruining influencers' photos is one of my favorite sports. Weirdly, they're not so keen on being in a photo with a cigarette-smoking captain with an inch of butt crack on display. I realize that OP probably doesn't mean it this way, but when he describes a cigarette-smoking captain with an inch of butt crack on display, I can't help but imagine the cigarette poking out of the, <laughs> out of the inch of butt crack. Did anyone else? 
I guess if he farts, he turns the cigarette into a flamethrower. Our next Reddit post is from District Dan. I recently attended a friend's wedding a few hours away from home, and my girlfriend and I decided to get an Airbnb so she could bring her dog. We found a nice place that allowed pets, took off early from work, and arrived Friday late afternoon. About 30 minutes later, the owner shows up to see how we're doing while we have the dog on the porch. We made some small talk, and he mentions that we didn't indicate that we were bringing a dog. I felt bad because it was an honest mistake, and I'd never lie to someone to get out of paying a pet fee. We tell him that and offer to pay the $25 fee on the spot. He refuses to take the money and says that he loves dogs and eventually heads out. We didn't think too much else about it, but when we leave, we decide to give the place a much more thorough cleaning than was in the instructions. The dog didn't chew any furniture or leave any other damage or mess, at least that we didn't clean up. In our minds, the trip was a success and the Airbnb was a great fit. I got an email from Airbnb to leave a review and I left a 5-star review and said the house and the owner were great. But then I saw his review of me and a private message where he blasted me for not telling him that I was bringing a dog. How dogs cause them so much more work and how we shouldn't leave dogs alone in the house. This didn't sit well with me at all, since I thought that we had handled this person to person when he came by on the first day. I was, and still am, happy to pay for the pet fee. Also, there was no indication anywhere on the posting that we couldn't leave the dog alone for a few hours while we were at the wedding. For him to post that on my Airbnb profile felt like a cheap shot. I responded to him in that chat and said as much, and while Airbnb couldn't do anything about the reviews since it didn't violate any of their policies, my girlfriend did point out that hosts aren't supposed to show up to the property unannounced. I had no idea about this policy and figured that since it was his property, he's allowed to show up, at least to check in with the guests. Normally, I wouldn't care, especially since it was a very cordial interaction. But since he took a cheap shot with my review, I decided to do the same. I reached out to Airbnb support to tell them about his unannounced visit and they forwarded it to their security team. I answered a few questions about the interaction and they spoke to him. A week or so later, they let me know that he was in violation of their policy and they refunded me two-thirds of my stay, which came out to about 200 bucks. All because of a bad review. Yeah, OP, I'm glad you said something. The guy showing up while you were staying there is super inappropriate. Whenever a host does that, it just feels like he's spying on you. Our next Reddit post is from Throwaway. I used to work for a sandwich shop. All the other employees there were Indian women with very long black hair. Mine was sort of similar, I suppose, medium length and brown. But every time a customer would complain about long black hair in their food, my boss would immediately blame me without any hesitation or investigation, despite the fact that I was the only person who wore my hair up and netted. So one day, I dyed my hair blue with the sole purpose of not being blamed for black hair being in the food. You guessed it, it happened. And man, how huffy and annoyed my boss got when I said that it couldn't be my hair because mine's blue. It was beyond amusing. That was our slash petty revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.